1: Brought to you by Mind Architecture, building worlds for your mind. So I'm looking a little bit crisper than you, or at least what I'm seeing.
0: That's the one thing with these. It'll record at one setting, but show us something different. It. So it does record
1: at highest resolution, and then depending on bandwidth and whatever else. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right, we'll give this a try. We'll see. Just because it, it fits right into the script, so it gets done. It's boom right there. It just couple steps of editing what's interesting you know, of
1: course is that i wanted to show off nice shirt by ken jennings but because i'm i'm seeing it in mirror so i don't have I, if i have the ability to flip me or whether it's going to be recorded same with the calendar behind it, me when i sleep as hell as other yeah. people that uh, everything's going to be just a little bit reversed for me today until i figure out oh, i'm seeing it fine so it really is so fine. it's recording coming across Got it. line, okay yeah. <laughs> all right Like we always talk about, tech keeps changing. Doesn't necessarily mean it's better or easier. It's absolutely worth experimenting with just like this. And honestly, the fact that it took one or two clicks and tries and stuff like that, and that we have a live, high-quality connection going over, how far are we apart? 50 miles apart? As if distance really matters to the net, but we have difference in the density of signal, depending on how we're connected within our house and how our house is connected to the net, I'm pretty sure that I'm close to a backbone where I am, or I should say my Fios is good, and then that's close to a backbone here in Cleveland, so I'm usually very pleased with whatever I send out or whatever I have coming to my house and stuff like that, and I don't want it to break down for video because somehow there's multiple codecs in the way. Do they still call them that? Maybe they do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've got the exact opposite. I'm not close to anything. I don't have good speeds. I don't have great wiring out here. In fact, I just heard it thundering. We're getting thunder in February, and every now and then our internet will
1: go out when it rains. So uh, just okay. and honestly, maybe the real miracle is not, hey, I got files to the house. It's despite all of the limitations. I remember when FaceTime first appeared and you actually could get live video and then any number of other places followed it. But the fact that they figured out how to do everything about video, where it was the right amount of, you didn't get immediate motion blur. You didn't get all the known limitations. As I think I mentioned way back in college in the late 70s, early 80s, I did all kinds of, I did honors courses on display devices and what we were able to do back then. And back then you were still printing out pictures based on like the character sets, and then only by holding it far enough away did it resolve into the image when you first started to have. Like just, man, what was it back then? 72 dots per inch on a dot matrix printer compared to 720? 10 times the resolution? Or 1080 or whatever else it might be, 4D, 4K? 4D, yeah, UHD 4K. We've made incredible (laughs) leaps and bounds in... Like I said, if that's 80s, then in 40 years, we've made it so everybody has TV in their house that they're live on. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I remember some early videos on the web. You had to go to Usenets and stuff to share a video clip of some movie or whatever. And if you wanted to keep it, you had to... Use a, a program that would not only compress it and zip it up, but then break it into chunks so it fit on floppies. It's, look, here's this video on 12 floppies. Hold on for 45 minutes while I put <laughs> assemble it all back together, and I'll show you this
1: great 13-second exactly. clip. Every, everybody knows this, but it's worth talking about because I, so I would go to MacWorlds, and every year there were advances in what you could do. And who was leading those advances? And I know you know the answer. The naughty industry. Porn was determined to make it so that, before streaming, that you could just fit things onto floppies, then onto CDs, then onto DVDs, and as they got, I don't know, people's drive to enjoy that particular genre on that medium is really strong, and every time that there was a breakthrough for the resolution or the, especially (laughs) funny motion blur often happens when you do a big sweeping thing or when you do repetitive things, that it gets very choppy quickly. And that might be sex. There's a certain amount of repetition involved in that. And so it was very cool. The first time at Macworld, this is at, in San Francisco at the Moscone Center, I guess, they used to have, like many other bookstores, the regular floor, and then they'd have kind of a corner of the place cordoned off. And it wasn't just a few booths because it's big business. A lot of people were trying to get their archive of VHS taped stuff available on CD or DVD. And you'd go through these items right. and you'd be like, this really is like oz in terms of tech that looks great compared to the choppy barely above video game blippy things it's pretty funny right. to be able to, and then like and then you go back onto the show floor and say who you might want to talk to is xyz corporation who is working on the the devil in miss jones series or whatever else it may be because they've solved a lot of these problems my friends also (laughs) sometimes
0: dropping little things like that on people though a lot of times people are like oh computers i hate them i'm like really do you even understand what you're saying there because all the advances that you are appreciating just by standing here to complain about it, how many of them are computer related. But sometimes you do get the people that are like, oh, such and such company did this. I'm like, oh, they must have borrowed that from the porn industry. (laughs) And people like look at you like, what? I'm like, between military and porn, our country has just made so many advances. You don't even understand.
1: I shouldn't leave them out. Also, you go to the gaming section. The first time that I saw Pathways into Darkness, which was the company, Bungie Software, that did Halo and other things, but they were some of the first ones to crack. Lots of people on the internet, on a local network with next to no lag, and then lots of great yeah. like texturing on walls and the ability to run through a thing without it immediately being blurring and low quality and obvious. They made breakthrough type stuff. And in fact, I, I want to drop a name here and it's not going to come up. It used to be that when you did pixel level processing of images, It really took a long time to do almost anything. And then there was one particular guy, a Frenchman, who like went off into the French Alps and worked out the math behind vector graphics. That the first thing you do is figure out how do you model in math curves, various different functions, all the various different things in the natural world. And then in real time, change that math into a pixel map and be able to do it with all the appropriate compression and resolution and all that kind of stuff so that you, I think it was it. All this page PageMaker, Adobe Illustrator, was probably the first one to really make use of. It really wasn't operating on pixels. It was operating on the math behind it and then displaying it. And so, yeah, that's the first time that you really needed to have great graphics processors, math, all of that. And right. But the things that you could do to start really processing photographs. The fact that Photoshop first came out and you could just not only look at photos in almost, it took a long time to catch up to photo resolution because that's 2160 or something like that, right? But you could do transformations of photos where you could do the sepia effect or compositing between and stuff like that. And it was miraculous at the time. But then once somebody, once this guy figured it out, everybody said it can be done before the math was just so intense that we didn't think we'd be able to get there. And then it was a big game of catch up. And then all of a sudden you had not only, it was a very cool time for not only all the companies that were putting things out, but the ones that were putting out specific like special effects packages where they were the first ones to say if I want to be able to do tweening as in for animation and stuff like that, you can add that to an existing package, and that must have been some contributor. It used to be avid terminals and all the things that they had in the backgrounds of movies were like hundred thousand dollar things, and all of a sudden on a two thousand dollar mac and a two thousand dollar package, I can do some very similar things. It was the breakthrough that had all kinds of new special effects people get into the field. And just the mind blowing, what they used to do with storyboarding, with sketching, now they could do like story animation that actually, if you just looked at it, it was like, sure looks already like Star Wars. You know what I mean? There's not like I'm looking at stick figures running around and then I can somehow transfer that into Jurassic Park. It already looked pretty good. And then it was a matter of getting to be movie resolution where they had to have the big server farms. And it's funny, I hope people don't mind. Hey, all of our fellow geeks, it's cool to live in a place where history isn't a matter of 500 years between Copernicus and now. But that we actually, in my lifetime, we've seen these incredible advances in things. And kind of like when right. I talked about Plato a little bit, I don't know that I wasn't ever one of the big guys. I learned how to do a lot of cool stuff. We contributed to various different projects, but there were brilliant people that were doing things. But just to be like the Hamilton song says, I want to be in the room, to be there when they were developing those cool DD games and the cool Star Wars games, and to see them grow yeah. into what they have grown, it's it's delightful to be like, I know that guy. We used to have, as I always call them, the boys from Bungie, there was a time when they were like 15, 16, 17, and they were coming to our downtown Mac user group and showing off their latest thing, and their latest thing wasn't like a card game, it was... Oh my God, you guys are doing things I've never seen done before. Because you grow up in a generation where you have all that knowledge yeah, you, from the start, you have no fear, you have all that time on your hands. You know what I mean? You don't need to sleep. You got your Mountain Dew red and whatever else.
0: Yeah, you're here at Teens though. the innovation it's reminded me, I'm listening to the audiobook for Howard Scott Warsawski. You probably know the name from Atari. He did Yar's Revenge. Okay if you remember that game and he's talking about creating it and he created like the very first full screen explosion on an atari because people got remembered they were super super limited it's kind of saying we want you to write a novel um here's a sheet of paper (laughs) that's what the atari was and just talking about the innovations and everything they did it's like everything they did was some hack to get something and he was out of room for graphics, but he had one more thing. So he actually took the machine language code and just scattered it across the screen to do an inference-looking right. pattern, and that was the shield, but it used the code so we didn't have to do other That's graphics. The innovations... <laughs> That they're talking about, of course, after Yar's Revenge, which was huge, that was a big game for Atari. He went and did the Raiders of the Lost Ark game, which I thought was huge and such a great game at the time. And then he went on and made ET, but there's more to that. Everybody that says, Oh, he blew up the industry, no, it is not his fault necessarily, and in fact, what he did in the time and resources he had is actually pretty amazing. Let's talk about the company that was screwing right. things so up, that bombed for the industry. For Not, or whatever
1: yeah. And like to make an 18-month project into six months, there's only really so much. Oh, oh it was instead of a six-month project, it
0: was a five-week See, project that, 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 and, that had to be done by there's himself. There's a book
1: about that, or at least it's a big chapter. That's why I'm reading. There you go. They talk about some of the Herculean efforts that went into these things. And it's funny, I just read a little meme about we really need to bring some more Greek mythology into our phraseology. So it was really an effort where it's like no matter what you keep trying, you keep rolling back down. You know what I mean? And yeah. so the fact that It's funny. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't remember his name enough to tar him with all the ETs that are in a landfill. You know what I mean? So
0: here's why you don't remember his name because Atari, this is, okay. So real quick. So Atari did not want known who their developers were making all these great games because they were afraid they'd lose their developers. So they kept them hidden, but they treated them like rock stars internally. And then when Bushnell sold the company and WB took over and it was Ray blah, 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 whatever. I forget his name. He thought of the developers as essentially eh, button makers. They, it was just the, anybody could do that job. They're not the rock stars and they didn't treat them like rock stars anymore, but they expected the same quality. And that's where the first four guys said, you know what? We can do better without you. And they left and became Activision and then some other guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then other guys said, "You know what? They're doing pretty good, and we're sick and tired of working here." And they left and became a Magic. Two of the biggest game names in Atari and Activision still huge right. today because they didn't treat their developers at Atari like the rock stars any longer. And boom, it crashed. Where's Atari now? A little bit coming back forty years later, right? But at the and time, funny, so no, class. E.T. didn't kill it. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. But no, I think we're backed up a bit. You're good.
1: Okay, so that has happened, of course, not only in the video game or computer game industry, but in comic books. In Like you can talk about all the places that people just got tired of being treated like a hired hand when they really are the people that are creating these wonderful things. And of course, there's marketing involved and all the support system, but games don't exist without... Cliff Johnson having developed The Fool's Errand, or Sid Meier having developed Civilization. And they first started to have games where the author's name was on it because you wanted to follow the creator of Zork onto whatever he was working on next. So the places that learned that, they just said, we got an extraordinary guy, let's keep him happy, instead of treating him like a drone. And then, funny, the drones leave and they start not only other companies, but they per- they are having so much fun that then they become a magnet for other people to leave and say, so wait, I can create characters and retain the rights instead of being work for hire. I get a much bigger share of the pie by taking on more risk. When you're like 22 years old and you have <laughs> nothing but potential Risk doesn't matter at all compared to, wow, this game could make me a millionaire. Talk to the comic book creators right. that became millionaires, and it, people don't really understand that if a comic book sells well and it really is one or two or three people doing the Todd McFarlane thing. I'm trying like the various different studios that opened up. So remember there was, let's see, Mark McGuire, if I remember right, when he broke Babe Ruth's record. Somebody bought that ball. Yeah. It was a comic book guy who, like, he had all this money, but he was still a Kaipo kid, if you will. And what do you want to do with your money? Buy an aircraft carrier? Nope, I want that baseball. <laughs> so it's cool to see, I don't know, as Colleen and I have gotten to retirement, and we're looking at how we're going to do, we're going to be able to make it. It's like, I'm pretty sure, because I've never been the guy that wants to buy the Lamborghini. I want a couple more CDs. I want a couple more comic books, that kind of thing. And right. you can. I am so happy with things that don't involve buying an island you know what i mean it's just funny
0: funny you say that because i forget i was thinking actually about that over the weekend i was like yeah you know what if i had that lump money whatever the lottery some rich uncle from spain that i forgot about whatever and i i said i would love to buy an island if for no other reason than When you tell all your friends and families, like, hey, we're going to do the 4th of July on our island and have a big beach party. Are you interested? Everyone's oh, yeah. (laughs) How better to get all your friends and family together to have a good time or something? That would
1: be the reason to do it. And this is an odd. So as the world has known over the course of us doing this for three years, both my parents have passed away in the last couple of years. And some money is starting to come from that they were responsible citizens and they saved money and all the kind of stuff. So we're getting a little bit of money coming in. And so if you're noticing on my Facebook posts, hey, they just bought a new HVAC system. It's things that we were so careful about making sure we get to retirement safely that we put off big purchases, all kinds of different things for a long time. And we're now getting to that point of I'm not the indolent rich, but it really is. I have not only Ted Secora's things that I want to sponsor on GoFundMe or the various different crowdfunding sources, I kind of want to start, that'll be entertainment for me, is go out and browse and say, that book deserves to exist, that comic book should be, that game should be. And I have done some of that, but nowhere near as much as if I have that Medici dream that I've talked about being the sponsor of worthwhile people that otherwise the system can grind them down, otherwise they can, they created this beautiful thing and they got 10%, not 90%, like a creator should get. So, I'm getting to that, that as I see that I have, it's this kind of happened in college. I worked all the time to get ready to go to college. And then I still got a little bit of a scholarship. That scholarship money wasn't going to be necessary because I had saved and was ready to go. I took some money that I had saved because I already had this, now that I had this scholarship and said, I really need a good stereo for college. And it just is, it frees you to have not whim, not stupid money, but like things that you might've wanted for a long time that now you can safely buy and not say, what's the sacrifice I'm going to have to make for that? What do I have to give up? What do, et cetera. Right. So there's that. I'm not a rich person, but I'm going to be a good, safe person because I don't want to just sit on my pile of money like a big dragon. I want to be like, "How? who else can I help? What else can I do with it? And I hope that the economy, I don't know, the economy stays because a lot of my, what I have is investments. I hope that we don't go down the tubes in terms of, oh yeah, a dictator got in and I don't mean to go political. Last episode was so ranty, <laughs> I won't do that. But there really are things that can happen that make this whole situation that I expend to la- la- expect to last for the rest of my life, we could blow it. We could so easily blow it and have so many things disrupted and lose out to competition or lose out to internal forces or whatever. And so a little bit of why I want things to be nice and stable is not really because hey that's democracy it's because i've got a stake in things staying nice and calm the united states being this wonderful economic engine that we've created why would we destroy that and that's a matter of is it going to be global warming is it going to be a pandemic is it going to be politics is it going to be religion what's going to really act to screw that up and i don't have any crusades that i need to be on that are looking to screw that up i'm looking to have this wonderful thing that we created continue
0: Yeah, slight change but you just made me think of it with what you said and i want to jump back to something else before i forget you mentioned fan expo and you're trying to get in there to do a talk i've i'm going down to virginia for the scares that care that weekend down there and some authors i'm going to meet but i might beg and twist your arm a little bit because alan tudyk is going to be at fan expo that weekend and i even thought about canceling my trip i'm like ah it's one of those things so i might see if you have any free time to go see alan tudyk and maybe i'll write a little note like here's why i like you mr alan tudyk (laughs) and maybe give you some plastic dinosaurs to have them sign so
1: i think you know this about me i hardly ever do autograph things because i find such a bad use of my time to stand in line for two hours or whatever else it might be and to pay a hundred bucks and yet uh, it's funny colleen and i just started watching resident alien which is a new series that he's in and actually has the lead not as a good side man which he has been in so many other good projects and it really is good he really has that ability to be like what would it be like to act like a human if you didn't know what being a human was like internally and so i'm going to be very happy he really is one of my heroes and i don't know are we going to have a stop-in, a drop by Nathan Fillion because he's there? Um, I, I that swear that the, to God, the roof
0: if Nathan <laughs> Fillion showed up, which probably would not happen, but if he did, I would very seriously consider drinking heavily that I missed that. And, and hey, that. <laughs> Mr. Alan
1: Tudick, please don't take that the wrong way. I really want to hear you and see you. It isn't that you're only Nathan Fillion's pal. You are absolutely a great artist, and you're right. You did the dance routine for Peacemaker, right? Or is that the guy's name? But, but you know what I mean? Like, I really want to meet him. But it, it just is—they It's, they yeah. it's well, a combo exactly that it'd be really fun to just get an hour of them, kind of goofing off back and forth and sharing their little internal yeah. stories and stuff like that. But I'm happy to hear. If I went to an expo,
0: <laughs> if I went to an expo and to see Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk showed up, I would be just there as jazzed know. the other way. If I went to see Tudyk and Fillion showed up, so it's exactly. not like I like one or so together. I still say. That there is nobody else that could have done a rebooted quantum leap except Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk. There, uh, nobody else. What they're doing is good. If they would do a reboot, <laughs> that, that just
1: uh, right there,
0: fantastic. yeah. Tudyk on a, Resident a, Alien, a regular... fantastic.
1: <laughs> Actually, so I haven't got the confirmation that I'm speaking, but I'm hoping to. And one of the things that's cool is there's all kinds of cool stuff going on. There's lots of people to see, and lots of comic book stuff going on. So I'm looking forward to just being there for it. And I already have done that in the past. I kind of wander the artist alley and the unknown author's right. floor. And I, I buy books all the time just to say, I'm curious about what you have. You know what I mean? Yes, I'll buy your first book. Of course I will. You know what I mean? Who doesn't want to give you a shot and see if I like it? Every year that I go, somehow just before going, I wonder, I haven't been buying comic books actively for a while. Am I going to feel out of it? But because these things have transformed into... Fan Expo, that it's not only about comic books, it's about science fiction and movies and television and gaming and all that kind of stuff. I almost always have fun stuff and I almost always find I got a little winter hat with the Viking horns in it and that's like my favorite Comic-Con purchase ever. I still call them Comic-Cons, even though I think that's a reserved mark for San Diego. Stuff like yeah. that. So again folks please don't sue me because i just have old habits it lets you know how long i've been doing it. you'd be that every one of these new york and san francisco and chicago they were all comic cons because it's a fun term you know what i mean so anyway yeah I, i'm looking forward to it i love the fact that cleveland seems to be one of those that it's just in the right time of year where not everybody is committed to movie projects and they're not only doing the circuit you really get a very interesting combination of people that they're in between other things and so we've had all got kind of Batman television people and we've had voiceover people for voice voice talent for animation. I'm always pleased with the eclecticism of all the different cool things that we get. So yes, if you yeah. have a little message Absolutely. for Alan Tudyk, I will indeed be your John Alden. I will bear it forward. We'll, and- <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah. We'll see
0: what goes on with that. I was, man, I thought long and hard okay. about that. Okay. Here's something we didn't get to last week. I'm going to talk a little bit about, because it's really been jazzed about it. And so, Everybody knows about Magic, right? The most successful, not only the most successful CCG, but the inventor of the whole gaming genre of CCG, essentially, by the genius Richard Garfield. And He's done multiple things since then. Nothing as big, obviously. But, oh, a Richard Garfield game. A card game. Just
1: for, again, I'm almost trying to think of the non-geeks, even though who would watch this that isn't. But anyway, okay.
0: (laughs) It's one of those things like we just talked about. Oh, it's a Richard Garfield game. Let me check it out. His name is the brand. But Magic has been huge for years. I've played it since the early 90s, off and on. And the last couple of years, I've gotten out of it a bit because COVID hit, so the gaming group wasn't getting together to play Magic like we used to. And then Colin and his friends got like tournament level good and my decks and my playing was not up to their okay. par so i didn't play with them as much there was no You're, challenge they're for them. they're now.
1: checking out decks on you yeah. <laughs> okay
0: yes yeah oh hold on let me see if i got a deck that's bad enough that father might have a chance yeah so last year i heard about The Disney Lorcana and the Star Wars Unlimited, both of which interested me. But I'm like, do I really want to get into a CCG? I know the commitment it takes, both with... The time, but with money and just trying to build a deck takes time and then testing it, playing it. But the playing part's the fun thing. So I was like, eh. And then I saw the Star Wars one and some friends said, yeah, it's a year away. Is it going to come out? Is it going to be good? Are they going to release one set and then it dies and nobody does it? And then any money you put into it is a waste. You don't even get the value out of that, the fun value out of it. I'm like, ah. So Disney Lorconic came out and I was like, okay, I'm resisting. Because I know it'll take time, effort, and money. I want to do the Star Wars. But then I heard after the second set came out that Disney uh, being done by Ravensburger, who have a lot of great games, that they actually have something like five years worth of expansions, not only planned, but done. Like they have them on the computer, all the cards ready to go
1: fan base and who that, that they think this is a good idea. And honestly, how can it not be a good idea? Disney stuff and the addictive nature of CCDs and the the delay. It could be bad if they go, if they did, but the star Wars movies,
0: Oh, all we got to do is throw some garbage out and we'll make tons of money. And they, but the thing is they did not. It's a fun game. It's cute, easy to learn. It's very accessible for people that don't play CCGs. That's the big thing. Cardboard crack. That's magic. Hey, I got to get more. If you like this, yeah, it's that. that, Hey, I got to get more and spending money and getting more. The cardboard crack. So with Lorcana, I've been playing a lot of people that aren't normal CCG players, along with people that used to play Magic. But Magic's gotten to the point where you can't enjoy playing unless you're playing a tournament level deck. You have to be like a top player to even enjoy it anymore in okay. my mind. It's very difficult to go find a casual player. Yeah. Everybody has tournament level okay. decks. So that took a lot of the fun out of it. Lorcana, you're getting all ages and you're getting people that don't normally play Magic, which is a pretty diverse okay. group. But so it's been I've been having fun. The third set just came out with Lorcana, and I got some of the cards. I got two boxes, two booster boxes and out of two boxes, I only, there were only three rares that I did not get in two booster boxes. So for the latest set, that is we die we may end up going back to zoom. This isn't just (laughs) working too great. So that's really good for magic. There were times I used to buy four, five booster boxes and not get every card in the newest
1: set so i think exactly when you you talk about there you go terminator level decks it's did they put everything out so easily collectible shouldn't there be a level of rarity one in ten one in a hundred one in a thousand and that you shouldn't be able to buy yourself into a perfection because you bought a case of stuff but also shouldn't be very frustrating where i'm like 10,000 cards in and I still don't have everything. That's a lot of hurt. You know what I mean? How much more am I right. going to buy now, in, in seeking one or two things that I'm missing? Yeah, so. Right.
0: Now, <laughs> most people don't try and get every card from every set. They have a certain play style, they have a certain color, and they need certain cards to make their newest deck, and they will go on the secondary market. They'll buy the cards the they need and not even buy instead of the packs the randomness,
1: stuff. Exactly. Okay.
0: So this Lorcana set out of two boosters, I also pulled an enchanted. And enchanteds are like one card in five boxes, some about average, is what I'm seeing. So I got the lowest and enchanted. It's only worth 90 bucks. But there's some out there worth four, five,
1: six hundred dollars. Wow. You beat the odds, uh, but not yeah. the stellar odds you beat. Okay, got it. All right.
0: And so here's what I really like about that, though. The enchanted card I got, it's the rarest rarity. It's an all foil, alternative art, full card picture, and great. But it's the exact same card as the common or uncommon that I already have in my set that I pulled. That's only worth thirty cents. It's the same abilities in the game. It's just foil with different art. So the collectible cards aren't like, oh, I'm going to spend three hundred dollars and I'll have an unbeatable card that nobody can put in Thor's my deck. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I like that they're doing that because it seems to be hitting both markets. If you're a collector and you want to get these, you can. If you're a player and you want some of these super cool-looking cards just to show off, you can. But if you're just playing, you can just buy a couple packs and be assured to get a good mix of cards and make a deck. So I'm very excited. Lorcana has been a lot of fun. Hopefully I'll find some more people that want to play. But... Then last weekend, after you and I had the breakfast, aside went... because
1: you went to Recess Games. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, which I'd never been there. So, shout out to Recess <laughs> Games, a really nice store, good play area for games. But they demoed the Star Wars Unlimited yeah. game. And this weekend, there's going to be some pre release events going on, which I am all out going for. And next weekend, the actual release comes out, and I already have some cards reserved. It's star Wars. My one of my all time favorite games is the old star Wars CCG from Decipher. hard to find people to play in real life. Nowadays they do play online. There's a committee that has kept that game alive. They've released like 15 expansions beyond the official ones from the company before it got killed. It is still alive. So I was very excited to have a new star Wars collectible card game that I could go to a store and play with people and enjoy. And I demoed it last week, going to the pre-release this week, getting cards next week. So I'm going to be sorting cards, making a deck and right. play. There's a lot this of excitement for that. The next couple months.
1: Exactly. Okay. So-
0: yes yeah that's then that's where the danger comes in it's okay quick we got to get these cards and make a deck and go play it because in two and a half three months there's another set coming out so let's go change everything and we got and wait i just got this set why is there another set coming out what are these cards i don't know what they do oh my gosh they added new abilities wait let me add this into my
1: deck so there's a little bit of excitement i I believe that there's a good quote from a rock song That applies here. God damn the pusher man. You know what I mean? Yeah, Because you know exactly. that they've got to the ant's eyelash exactly what things to put out and exactly when to put them out and exactly how to price them so that oh, yeah. it is just that joy or pain point for all different kinds of people. And in the overall, they know that they're going to have the sales and they're going to have the, the talk. That a lot of this stuff is not only, really, hey, it's out there to exist, it's that all these different gaming forums, like our podcast, they want to talk about, hey, this is so cool, have you tried this yet? And they are getting, they've gotten so incredibly good at the releases and the virality of it and stuff like that. So some part of, I think we've talked about this before, the biggest reason that I didn't get into any CCG, I was early in magic and I didn't continue because I knew, wow, how many addictions do I need? I already have so many comic books and so many CDs and so many puzzles etcetera etcetera and it was like and this one really it did seem I dunno, comic books were becoming that kind of thing where it isn't just a matter of buying the things you want to read. Oh, now they got the prismatic cover and the foil cover and the multiple artists that are doing the same thing and this and the gatefold edition and whatever else it might be. And I really I never did the thing where I bought one of each of those five different versions of it. I because I would always look at whatever the preview book is for comics, and I'd pick out the pretty one that I could see by sight. Or I'd pick out just from the description, I like Brian Hitch's artwork better than I like Frank Robbins. And so a lot of times I might have even shot myself in the foot because if I was going for a collectible, I should have bought the one that nobody else was buying. (laughs) The worst expected artwork or whatever. But what I care about is I want to read it. it. Does it look nice? Is it the better? So that's a big reason that I actually, when I was pretty lucky in my early magic stuff and gave them all the way to a friend, Randy Meacham, and he must have said half a dozen times, Man, you're sure you want to do this because you've got some stuff that you're giving away some treasure. It's We've played. I know you love this. Please, I know they're going to a good home. You know what I mean? So it was... I had played early on with Scout and early on with Randy, and I just... I had a lot of fun with it, but I could see how well... how much they were into it and that they would enjoy it even more if I gave them some treasure. Anyway, anyway. it's uh Yeah, I've enjoyed Magic,
0: and I'll still play Magic, but I've just gotten... Away from it, and I don't feel like getting back into that scene. There's too much overwhelm, there's too many intense players. That's if you lay down a card, they'll, you need to tap your lands, you need to do this <laughs> like in your face. It's like, dude, quit drinking so much coffee, give me a second to like breathe, and then they'll sit there with the cards going flip, flip, flip. Like, come on, this is like speed chess. It has been 6.2 seconds. Why are you still taking a turn? You should be done. Why are you it's just like, I have played. Tournament games with people like so intense that even though if I'm holding a, a hand that could give them a run, maybe I'd win, maybe I wouldn't, but they're just no fun to play with. I'm like, oh yeah, you got me. How did I get you? It's only the third turn. I don't yeah. have <laughs> I'm just like, I am not, I don't want the stress. I want to relax and enjoy myself. And it's not like I'm giving up all the other games. I still love all the other games I've right. got too, but it is difficult to go to a store. Or even a gaming group, even once a month, and say, Hey, let's play this same game that I have that we've played for the last right. 10
1: months. But magic, you, right. can you can't do get that, immersed in it. You, know? you can't get addicted to it, et cetera. It's, but another thing you just yeah. said, it's very cool once in a while to say, Okay, I've been into this for a while. I want to change. I want to start over. I want the joy of learning, of not only continuing to. Yeah. Many things are like that, right? You get to that 90% and then 95 and then the confidence levels that you get, the joy that you get from each additional percent it, as you go down that curve it just isn't the same as the first thing where you're like wow this is getting better and better and you kind of want to ride the curve up so i i love when right. and we just uh, i thank colin very much for the ultimates it was like that's a restart if you will compared to the first couple ultimate series it was a if not a reboot it's still set in the ultimate universe but it was let's tell a different story let's not tell a continuation of what has gone before right. and A lot of times I really like that. We talked about this a little bit last time, the new universe or where they've done various different things to just, in the spirit of what had gone before, but do something new and different. And I like waking my mind up. I like knowing all of what has gone before so I can admire the elegance. Hey, they retrocon that just, but it's also very cool to to know that they're breaking the rules and say, let's see what happens. It's so nice once in a while to just, I don't know, Colleen and I have occasionally gone to a play where we're like, we know nothing about this, but somebody thought it was good enough to take it on tour and bring it into this theater. Let's not try to learn anything about it. Let's just go have a novel experience. Exactly. And just let it waltz all over us.
0: Speaking of that, I have not gone to see it, but I have heard a few people say, Hey, Madam Webb was enjoyable. It's not the, but I've heard a lot of not that it's so good, but some people have been enjoying that movie.
1: I, I didn't hear what you said because you got choppy a little bit. What movie?
0: Ah, sorry, I was saying, I've gotten a lot of bad reports I've heard about Madam Webb, but I have heard a few people Madam say, Web. yeah, it was enjoyable. Not necessarily the best movie ever, but not as bad as a lot of people are saying. I don't
1: know. I haven't seen it yet. It, very uncommon for me. I didn't see it like Thursday night. I, I, either it's been so unhyped or I was busy right when it came out. Well, now what I'm in, because it has not been doing well, I want to see it in the big theater. So today through Thursday... I'm worried that it's already going to be gone by Friday or something like that. So right. I will indeed play hooky and go see it. And I'll combine it with the beekeeper or something like that. The beekeeper was, a good, was good. Okay. So I like doing yeah. that once in a while, just like going from one to five and doing that, get the refill of popcorn and just wallow in a couple movies. I'm curious about it. I'm, I'm glad you said it isn't that bad. I think some of movies were so good and it changed the industry so much that now people's expectations are really heightened. They want everything to be Avengers Endgame. They want everything to be stick around to the theater and see the thing that's yeah. really a cool clue. And there's lots of, I have always enjoyed comic books that weren't only the main titles and the big summer annuals, spectacular events, I've always liked second tier comics that just continue to tell a great story with interesting characters. And I guess Madame Webb is going to be that it fills in things in the Spider-Man, the spider It's not MCU. Okay. It's the
0: Sony Star Wars or Sony Spider-Man
1: universe. And eventually they'll bring it all together because someone's going to be crafty about how they do that. But OK.
0: But yeah, th- there's a lot of problems with the movie just from the marketing standpoint. They threw this new character out. They threw a whole bunch of Spider-Girls out with no introduction. So people are, and then they didn't push the trailer. It's not a great trailer. And people are like, what the heck is this movie? And they don't know, so they're confused. And that doesn't help going into it. Plus, I heard that they Spider-Girls don't even get their powers through the movie. So it's okay, I'm going to see a superhero movie. You need
1: to have some superpowers. Right. swinging <laughs> through the canyons of New York, little things like that. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, well, my expectations they're already kind of low because it really didn't get hyped and it really I haven't heard much about it. I haven't sought out much about it. So I was kinda of like just that. And it's it even I will drag Colleen to movies that I really expect to be good. So for instance on Friday we're seeing Dune 2. And we've already I, we've made a point of watching. Might be watching it her scene for the first time because it's on Netflix or something like that. The first, HBO. Thank, you, thank you, Max. That I it really is. Somebody just said maybe Brian Herbert. And now that he's seen the sneak preview of it, it really is the closest to his father's books that all the various different attempts have been. There was a TV series, there was an initial movie that's known for being laughingly absurd, a little bit of sting in a bikini bottom kind of a thing. And it's such a great story that I always wanted it to be. They really need to capture what made that story great. The clash of cultures, the, the I don't know, I already, there's been really good things about the Gumjabar and the, the family warfare, The Tribal warfare and of course back when it was written you could tell the easy analogs between the Russian world and the Arab world and whatever else it might be and so it might be that History has given us enough Understanding of how their real reality has played out and how does that correspond to what dune? is spice oil, but what are the limitations of it? You know what I mean? I'm I really have enjoyed it so far and they cast it very well. And that's such a key thing is you had to have somebody that embodied you, If you're going to have a mentat, you have to have a good mentat and a weapons master. And, a, right. and a, honestly, I, let's see, what's his name? Dave, uh-huh. not the young. Let's see. The, he also played the Destroyer in the Guardians movie. Oh, but he's thank you very much that for him being the beast Raban. And actually, they called it Rabin. Dune Dune might be the single most series compared to movies. That's it's not Fremen. It's Freeman. It should obviously be Freeman. Like, and then then I found out that Brian, not Brian, Frank Herbert had actually consulted on it, and he got it wrong, even though it created. It should be Freeman. And same with Raban sounds more beastly, and he hasn't chewed up enough scenery to be the sadistic. Bastard that he is in the books. So I'm expecting a little bit more amplification for certain things You know what? I mean that it's not only intrigue It's the cruelty and that like the Sardaukar the stormtroopers and maybe there's a great book thing in the book that I remembered where they talk about that the Fremen are uncommonly good fighters because they have the weirding way and all the kind of stuff and they actually talked about after this last battle We interrogated a couple of the Sardaukar and the guy like you captured Sarkar, they fight to the death. They kill other people. That's just not possible. That's unheard of. And they're like, of course we did. We just defeated them. And that wonderful clash of military people really think that if you got the biggest gun, you automatically win. And then they find out that they're going to meet an opponent that in their environment and and their level of fanaticism, it might not be enough. And so this emperor who's been rolling across planets, he finally might feel just that little twins of fear and you can i love the books really build that well about about so many things about not cloning but regeneration and how when someone dies and then you bring them back but it might not be the same exact person and they might it's there's so much good stuff about and also i really love things and i'll segue to this to the expanse science fiction series that i've been really liking so much of the series is great science fiction. It's about extrapolations of current technologies and what it would be like to have a world where they really have this kind of transportation and this weaponry and, this, and that kind of stuff. But what they very much show well there and in Dune is it still comes down to people. That you have to have someone that mm-hmm. is that Naples Ultra of they really are a different kind of human being than others. They have the will, the luck, the they have whatever that level of perception and everything else that makes it that there's huge events happening, but it's still somebody that's saying yes or no, right or wrong, that there's somebody flipping the switch or not. And he really captured that, that great man theory of history, that people always matter. It's not in fact against I don't know programmable foes and stuff like that that losing the human element is very often in those books one of those things that say that's why they lost they didn't have human ingenuity or human stubbornness right. or human we don't know why I right. did it but my intuition guided me so I'm not a compute it's cool to see things that get very philosophical about what it is to be human so anyway I'm digging those kinds yeah. of things that they very much humanize it instead of just being the crush of events moving forward and that everybody is a silhouette, a cardboard cutout instead of an agent in their own history, in their own future. Very cool. Very cool. (laughs) So me and Colin last night, so he went and saw
0: Lisa Frankenstein, which I still want to see, which looks interesting. But we went and saw Drive Away Dolls last night. It's okay. It's a new Ethan Cohen movie. It's not not the the Cohen brothers, brothers, but Ethan Cohen. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a misdirection. And the trailer, it looked wonderful, it was great. And, but what the movie really is about, they hid within the trailer. And it was, it got some, oh, they okay, they just did that. That's okay (laughs) then, type of stuff going on. And if you go see it, it's worth seeing. It's fun, good movie. Again, not what you expected, the one character, and you'll know which one I'm talking about is just got to hold your breath to make sure you don't miss anything that she says or does throughout the movie because she just fires off stuff. That's, Oh my God, what did you just say? (laughs) Like that that funny or that rude or okay. Yes. Funny because sometimes it is rude, but it's hit between your eyes, common sense wisdom. And just, yeah, (laughs) worth seeing. It was a good movie again, not what we expected, but they did that on purpose and you know that by the end but still fun and good it's definitely. i said i leaned over to colin after the first 10 or 15 minutes i said who's this by because i'm getting a vibe here and he says it's ethan cohen the one cohen brothers has ah that makes a lot of sense it seems like a cohen brothers wacky weirdness type stuff going on movie
1: (laughs) so that's definitely worth i think i mentioned before colleen and i have watched everything in their series we have watched all the alfred hitchcocks all the woody allen's and we watched all the coen brothers we've watched all the anderson's both wes and paul thomas now that i think of it and now there's the one guy that just did poor things and previously did the lobster and we're seeking out all of his stuff and because he's really kept himself out of hollywood and off the beaten track some of his stuff you can't even find it you have to pay 1999 to watch it so i'm like I got an Infinity for one price. I don't want to pay the same amount again for one movie. So now I've got them on my watch list very different places. We just watched called, let's see, The Something Killing of a White Deer, if I remember right. And it really did have, it It had the twist, not only like the kind of, that you think what the movie might be about, and then it really goes off the rails and then it follows to its terrible conclusion and stuff like that. But I like, maybe M. Night. Shia had that reputation? Shama, yeah, Shama oh, Ding Dong, exactly. He must know that people make fun like that <laughs> all the time. No disrespect to you, sir. You've done lots of great movies, but you also got trapped in. There's got to be a twist. Not everybody's anticipating a twist. Instead of it being the thunderbolt that was the sixth sense and stuff like that, it's it kind of like right. defeats it. Once in a while, you see a movie from a conventional person. And it's, oh, they totally roped me in. I just finished watching the latest True Detective, Night Country, and indeed, I'm on season one and it's been really interesting. Every single season is there's so much like it's what's going on is not what it appears on the surface and not even on the second and third layer. It really sometimes has all kinds of stuff that they're very good at revealing it. But once in a while, it's a little bit unfair with they would have found that out if they just what would have showed up two minutes earlier. This has all been just bad luck. You know what I mean? It's I've liked them. But and the latest one was much like that. They set up a lot of things, a lot of red herrings that were, red herrings that were, is this supernatural forces? Is this people going insane? And it turns out that there's a lot of, all those things are in play and you don't know until the last episode what the reality of it is. So that was cool. There's I really, I enjoyed the performances and I liked, I like things that keep me guessing. I, that's why I say that all the time. There's one of my themes is if you watch, of movies in the first 10 minutes are like, he killed them, and this is how they're going to find out. And then you just kind of know the movie because it's one of the standard 36 plots. And so someone that's able to play with those things, those expectations, and give you enough of something to get you. It's like a good joke, right? You give them the line that's got them leaning in a certain direction. And then the garden path, the paraphrosdokian. Then you give them just the turn to the right that is, other than what they expected, and that act of surprise is a delight to my mind. You know what I mean? It really, oh, he got me. That's right. good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I started watching The True Detective, the first one with Harrelson and right. McConaughey. And of course, powerhouse performances from those guys. But if you go in expecting your NCIS police procedural, oh, no. you're not going to enjoy these shows. It is not that right. at they,
1: all. They Every single series, I think, does a lot of jumping around in time where it's, it's not linear, they go back as to, sometimes they really are, like, aging 50 years in the course of it, and they go back to what they were thinking when they were young, or what's the denouement, now that they have find out, like, you know how it is, sometimes people really have like, a deathbed confession, and it really is a shocking secret revealed, and there's a little bit of that in multiple of the series, where somebody finally finds out, oh, that, I didn't know that person was, secretly related and that explains so much of why they acted as they did why they sold themselves out maybe as they did i'm trying not to play the spoilers game at all you know what i mean there there's all kinds of good things that are like that that if you if i know that there's this if you're the cops will often say this okay if there's a murder it's either passion or greed or revenge there's pretty standard motivations that people have when it isn't obvious right. which of those ones it is or that it isn't obvious who would want revenge or who was in love with someone it makes for a very interesting tale of how man people that have been doing things in secret for years and years they've gotten really good at keeping a secret especially in a small town in the south especially in a an arctic base you know what i mean there's only so many places to go you know what i mean so very right i love that people who are aware of all that has gone before. Have gotten even craftier in how to tell a story that makes use of the fact that we've all seen the same movies and TV shows and read the same books, and that they use that kind of against you. They get you leading in a way of a classic storyline, and then they pull the rug out from under you very well. Right. So I love that they're doing that.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been enjoyable. It's been I watched the first episode and I was kind of like, okay, I'm not quite sure what this is, I'm not sure, but it was like, but Yeah, I think I'll watch the next one. And it's not uh, that, oh, my God, I got to watch the next episode. But it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of eaten at me. I can't let it rest. I need to go back to see the next one. And it's it's a slow burn throughout the whole storyline so far. And it's definitely not a cop show. It is not they don't focus on finding the clues. It is really the interaction and performance between Harrelson and McConaughey yes. and them as people and what they're that's the focus. Right. So it's like the other stuff is almost fluff. That's,
1: that's another thing I've come to is you can't be in a job that can make you depressed or crazy without developing some defenses against that. And is it going to be alcohol? Is it going to be sex? Is it going to be shooting range? Whatever else it might be. And then so then when you see people that we depend on them to keep the peace, to make the world a safer place, but they themselves are flawed or have developed difficulties makes for a very different dynamic than the hero is a hero. And he just does what he does because he grew up to be a hero. He's a boy scout. So I really like those kinds of things where sometimes justice has to be administered even by people that are just two steps away from there, but for the grace of God could have gone him. (laughs) If he had had the wrong break when young, if his father had gone to prison, if whatever else is going on in these series. Very cool. I'm glad you discovered them. I really do. The fact that they've had four different series that they're not, interlinked they really are four different whole different plot lines second one is billy bob and they really got powerhouse actors each time to to do the main roles and stuff like that and i've really enjoyed them that's
0: definitely see why mcconaughey wanted to be in this show for that first series that character because that first character is so unlike most of everything else he has ever played and he's what like him or not he's definitely an a-list Actor out there. When he's is in a movie, it's a big name and he gets paid man. big bucks. And this role is man, he's really he's probably oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever done.
1: Because it's such an interesting I think character. I, he believes in this concept, if you will, because I think I've seen him as executive producer in each one of the series, even though he has not featured in it. Him yeah. lending his name to this it'll get the actors who want to participate the money that has to follow to make this happen. I think that it's really good thing that he's been the sponsor of this, even if it's now behind the scenes.
0: And they haven't been really pushing it. It's only been like every two years or something they come out with a new series. So they're putting some. time between it that's oh that was a hit let's get the next one out it's we're going to do this it's going to be good people are going to find it and love it and it's going to last have some legs on it it's not going to burn and die because everyone watched it in a weekend
1: by having a whole new thing there's no jump to sharp moment where it's oh now they in fact this is interesting to compare and contrast between it and american horror story which they've had seven different seasons now and it's been a lot of the same actors but doing the haunted house story the carnival story the vampire or witch or whatever else right. it might be and so i kind of like that because it's very cool to see people transform into another character oh, they're not the person they were now they're the runner of the asylum or whatever else it might be and but i also think that i guess i mean i don't think they're running out of ideas it has not held my interest i think i've watched like five out of seven, but I'm not current with it. And maybe it's also because I don't watch horror all the time. I really need, I do a dose of that, and then I need something sunnier to open me up and make the world a better place again or something like that. But I really do love that people are doing these kind of anthologized things and that there is another kind of storytelling craft that goes with, okay, if someone really made a big character and you now associate them with that, Jessica Lange played a certain kind of woman in this, Can she be a believably other character if what you want to be is more of what she was? And that they really are good at playing with some of that expectation and giving the actors a chance to stretch out and say she was really assertive and now she's really meek or she was really innocent and now she's really quite guilty or whatever else it might be. So there's cool things going on there too that the actors, I think, love having a new sandbox to play in instead of, oh God, this is my thousands performance as Auntie Mame. Please, I know that this is right. career-making money and stuff, but I might be ready for something else. That kind of thing. Oh well.
0: All right, cool. A lot of good stuff going on this week.
1: Absolutely. We, TeachFact it, is it, working. I'll have my final meeting with Stack right after this podcast to make sure all that's handling. Thank you again for the cool shirt. Thank you again. My, one final thing. <laughs> Thank Colin again for the ultimates. But I read them all in an hour. And wow, it used to not yeah. take that quick. So that's why I made the smarmy comment in the, hey, what are we going to talk about today? Artists that specialize in two-page spreads and big, splashy things and stuff like that, it's because there's not a lot of plot moving forward. When they're like another big baffo punch by the juggernaut, I, I it's really nice yeah. artistry, but I feel cheated. By how much happened in five issues, like how little happened in five issues. Yeah. Oh. They really should have
0: done that as a three or four issue series, but they made it, they thinned each comic out.
1: Each one was only like 16 pages that's really or something. True. So I just, if that's, that was from 2007. It's not state of the art, but it was already happening back then that they started to have so many ads and so much, like whatever used to be a 30 and then a 22 page story. I Is it down to 18 now? It really just seems to be. so little and prices have gone up and so i don't hate to criticize my favorite medium and yet this was such a great i returned to it and that was only okay i expected it to be better oh but still thank him very much for the gift thank you very much for the cool shirt and for the buckaroo bonsai war i I guess the crime the world crime league i'm looking forward to digging into that one so very fun all right oh cool let me know take care steven okay
0: this has been the relentless geekery podcast if you enjoy our conversation please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review give us some likes it would help a lot check out our website relentlessgeekery.com where we have links to our facebook page join the conversation and go check out our youtube page where we have the video of this and other episodes you have been listening to relentless geekery podcast come back next week and join alan and steven's conversation on geek topics of the week